Welcome to the Homeschool Loftcast, a podcast presented by the Homeschool Loft in De Pere, Wisconsin. Our goal at the Loft is to encourage parents who educate their children at home and let them know that they are both called to and empowered for the task of home-based education. At the Loft itself, we offer one-on-one consultations, book clubs and discussion groups, workshops and seminars, and a curriculum viewing library. Through the Loftcast, we extend our reach to encourage and bless homeschooling parents everywhere. My name is Tina Hollenbeck, and I am going to turn the mic over to my friend and colleague, Jenny Tetzner, right now. Jenny, take it away. Hello, everybody. I am so excited for this episode because this is no ordinary episode. <laughs> Guess what? August 3rd, Tina, of mm. 2021 is no ordinary day, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> and let me tell you why, because Tina has a book coming out. That's going to be so exciting. It is called Eight Great Smarts for Homeschoolers, a guide to teaching based on your child's unique strength. And in this episode, I get the pleasure of asking Tina some questions all about this book and her experience in writing the book. And I can't wait. So I have no idea what's coming. Legit. Exactly. (laughs) I, I showed her some questions and I said, do you want to look at them? And she said, no. So I think that's great. This is just going to be a time for you to get out your pens and pencils, write the title down. It's called Eight Great Smarts for Homeschoolers, A Guide to Teaching Based on Your Child's Unique Strengths. A lot of people have pre-ordered it on Amazon already, but how exciting. August 3rd is the big release date. Let's jump right in. Okie doke. Let's find out about this. I'm on the hot seat here. Okay. (laughs) Now, a key theme to your book is the fact that kids don't just learn one way. Mm Mm-hmm. Can I get an amen? Amen. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now, as homeschooling parents, we can design a curriculum catered to our children's unique learning styles, can't we? Absolutely. That's one of the benefits of homeschooling. But how can parents determine how their child best receives knowledge? Oh, gosh. Okay, start out with the hard ones, will you, right? Yes, I know. (laughs) You know, it's kind of funny because that is, I get that question a lot, even before I wrote the book. Um, You probably do too. Yep. And It's kind of not satisfying to parents when you answer this, but it really is true. You just have to keep trying and observing and seeing what sticks and what doesn't, right? So there, and there's all different ways to think about it. You know, some people think about, oh, they're an auditory learner, a kinesthetic learner, a visual learner, all of that. And that's a great way to kind of think about it. But the way that I've thought about it actually for my girls for their whole lives was kind of through this eight great smarts model. And that's because Kathy Cook, who my book, uh, she wrote a book that my book is based on. She asked me to write this book for homeschoolers because she wrote the book. It was originally called How Am I Smart? And she wrote that when my girls were preschoolers. So I kind of got to raise my girls on those concepts. And I'll tell you what the eight great smarts are in a minute. And then a few years ago, she revised it because obviously you just want to make sure your your things are up to date or whatever. And so the second edition of her book is called Eight Great Smarts. Mm-hmm. And so then when she asked me to write this, that's why it's called Eight Great Smarts for Homeschoolers, because it takes those strategies or those smarts and applies it directly to homeschooling. When you have labels, it's kind of easier to see what your kids' strengths are, right? So one of the cool things for me when my girls were little and I was aware of these labels, like labeling is weird on the one hand, you don't really want to put your kid in a box. But with these kind of labels, when your kid does something, you can kind of start to put the picture together. The theory of the eight great smarts says that you cannot really see which smarts are your kids' top ones until they're eight, nine, ten. 
get inklings when they're little, but you shouldn't put them in a complete box because they're just changing and developing so much, right? So the smarts are this, and they're not in any particular order. I hope I can remember them all (laughs) as we're talking here. So they're not in any order. They're not one is better than the other. We all have all eight and we all can use all eight, but we kind of all are wired to rest on two or three as our top strengths, our go-to. Like if you're in a box and you need to do something and learn something, you're going to go to your top one or two. If you need to use one of the other ones, you can. Okay. So word smart is one of them. And that means that you think with words, you, you learn with words. And so word smart kids actually do well in conventional school because that's one of the top smarts that school geared toward. So if you're very word smart, you, you got it made, right? The other one that is heavy in use in conventional schools is logic smart. Okay. You think by asking questions, by pushing the envelope, those kinds of things. And not the pushing the envelope works in school, but the thinking with logical progression questions, all that, that kind of thing, right? So if you've got those two things, you probably do really well in conventional school. But then there's body smart. You think by moving. That doesn't work in conventional school. It can yeah. work at home though, right? Another one, I'm going to put my fingers up here so I don't forget, music smart, okay? okay? So music smart is you think with rhythm and melody. You literally think with rhythm and melody. Interesting, yeah. I right? I think that's me. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah. I know it is because yeah. I know you. Picture smart. You think with pictures and images. Okay, not just that you like them, but you actually think better with pictures. So kids who are visual learners, probably if you if you put the terminology of the smarts on it, they're picture smart, right? I mean, it's not a dumbing down, but like watching videos resonates more with them than necessarily reading books unless they also have word smart. So those are five. Let's see. Nature smart. Okay, this is an interesting one. Nature smart kids love to be outside. And a lot of times it goes with body smart, movement, all of that kind of thing. But those kind of kids also think with patterns. So they're outside and they'll look for the patterns in nature that God has put there, which is really cool. But if you've got them inside and, and they, you give them a box of Legos, these are the kids also, if they're logic smart, they're going to they're gonna build and they're going to make patterns. They won't just build, but the, all the bricks will be together. All the blue bricks will be together yeah, like that. Yeah. So it's not just being outside, but that's part right. of it. And then the last two are self-smart and people smart. So self-smart, think by yourself more effectively. People smart, you think with other people. You process with other people. Uh, and, and again, we all have all eight, but we all kind of live in two or three of the I top see. ones. Yes. And you can see in your little kids, you can see all of them. It's kind of like when they're little and you don't know if they're left-handed or right-handed and eventually they show a preference. Yep. Same kind of thing with the smarts. So you have to kind of be willing to experiment and just live with your kids and see what comes out. Yeah. There's not really an assessment that you can do other than observation. Yeah. And observation, that's, boy, what a convenient piece of advice to give a new homeschooling mom. Is that, it's, you know... As much as I'd love to say it's it's great just to let your kids run and play, and it is, and there's a place for that. That being observant mm-hmm. really matters. And um, well, and so often parents don't want to do that. They think that's not enough, right? Yeah. Give me an assessment. Is there a test? You know, what can I do? Yeah. No, there isn't. The test right. is being engaged in your kids' lives day to day and seeing. Yes. You know, maybe your kid who runs around all the time isn't trying to be sassy. Maybe she's body smart, right? So she's literally thinking the more active she is. Now, sometimes she might be sassy and she needs to have a timeout or whatever, but observation will tell you the difference. Yeah. Save you many frustrations. Absolutely. And it's okay. You don't have to figure it out by the time they're five. You you can't. Yeah. Well, tell us more about the eight smarts identified by Kathy Cook. 
how can homeschooling families use these as a guide for understanding their children's style of learning? I mean, you kind of did go through that a little bit. Kind of the eight smarts, right? Yeah. Uh Well, I can give you some examples maybe from the book. Now, these are just previews. There's a lot more in there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. And some people will think this is crazy. Okay. But I'm going to give you a body smart example. And again, this is just one. Two things. One of my daughters is very, very body smart. Okay. And she is just, she's gifted as a mover. She was a dancer. So she's gifted as a dancer. She's really good. She's also picture smart. So she sees with images and she's really spatial and she moves a lot. Right. So when she was a little girl, if I would have her want to sit and just read a book normal, it wouldn't really work all the time. But if I said, go climb a tree first and then go read, she could do it because she was active with her body first. Right. I tell some people, get your little kid one of those um, exercise ball things, right? Instead of a chair. Yeah. Now, that would drive me ever loving nuts because I just like to be still and stable. But if you have a body smart kid, and this is counterintuitive, they will think better if they're able to kind of scooch around on that exercise ball while they do their math or their English or whatever. Yeah. Totally goes against the norms of all of us who were raised in school where you're told to, you know, be quiet, sit down, whatever. I got another couple of examples. You have a kid who is very music smart, counterintuitive again, sometimes too. Sometimes those kids can learn and process learning better if you let them listen to some kind of quiet music in the background. Yeah. Not necessarily with lyrics, because if they're music smart, they're going to get carried away with the lyrics. And sometimes even a music smart kid, you have to use that as a reward because they're going to be so into their music that they won't pay attention. But if that child can focus better with some melody in the background, you know, we always say we, it needs to be quiet, not yeah, necessarily. Not always. Yeah. yeah, that's mm-hmm. actually Madeline. She loves yeah. to have, would, would something like this fall into the category? So I remember learning, you know, studying for spelling tests. Okay. And I was on the word encyclopedia and I kept getting it wrong and getting it wrong. And my mom made up a little ditty yes. <laughs> and, and I still remember it. So I'm, I'm 49 and it went like this, E-N-C-Y-C. L-O-P-E-D-I-A. <laughs> and how old? I mean, I was just, you know, in grade school, but she and I. So because that worked. Absolutely. Right. Yep. I just always, even myself, you know, in high school would try to bring yes. a song to it or something yes. to help me to remember, which well, is. Absolutely. And I know you well, so I know you are music smart, yeah. right? I mean, that's kind of a foregone conclusion for anybody who knows you, but mm-hmm. it was exhibiting in your life as a child. Yeah. And, and we all do it with spelling to some extent. Mm-hmm. M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. Yeah, exactly. You can't spell Mississippi yeah. without, without saying a pattern, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Uh, and that's a music smart thing. But if that's the kind of thing that helps you on a regular basis or helps your child on a regular basis, yeah. first of all, maximize that. Don't just say, oh, well, that's just a silly thing. No, no, no. That's how that child learns. Yes. And embrace it. It's yeah. a, it's a it's a natural, normal, good thing. Yeah. It's, it's not a crutch. It's how God wired that child. Yeah. You're not going against the current. You're exactly. going with the current. Right. And you want your children to learn as much as possible. So why wouldn't you facilitate the methods that work for each kid? Yeah. Good. After a parent identifies their kid's multiple intelligence, intelligence, as you mentioned in the Doesn't book. Doesn't that sound funny? Kind of it like really, aliens, right? It it's not really, really aliens. That comes from, um, so Kathy didn't come up with that theory. Okay. Howard Gardner and Thomas Armstrong. They were like educational researchers, educational psychologist researchers. I first met Kathy in the 1980s. I'm dating myself. I was a student and she was a professor and she was teaching it then because it had come out probably in the 60s or 70s. So it's been a theory that's been around for a while, but it's hard to implement in conventional schools. So 
teachers, even who want to do it, they find themselves hamstrung. And so it kind of sits there. And then Kathy was able to kind of put it into regular person terminology. And that has helped a little bit too. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, after a parent does identify their kids' multiple intelligences, how can kids come to understand their family members in turn? (laughs) I love this because I know that this can be just nothing but helpful. And would you say? How can they do it? Well, I mean, again, more observation, right? And I think a big thing is affirming that everybody's wired differently and it's okay. And just to say, okay, if I have a body smart child, the word smart child shouldn't look down on her or vice versa. Or if I have a self smart child, that's a tricky one, right? Even in a homeschool family or whatever, self smart children sometimes come across as a little uppity, a little bit standoffish, maybe even with their family members and, or maybe they seem like they're depressed or something. Yeah. People don't understand self-smart people. And you do have to be mindful of, you know, is your child doing okay? But if your child is content and happy and just really processes more on his or her own, that's not a bad thing, right? So a really funny combination is if you have self-smart and people smart as two of your top strengths. Mm. (laughs) You kind of feel schizophrenic. I guess. (laughs) But but that's a real thing. It can happen. Sometimes you enjoy it. You process better with people and other times you process better by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a little bit. It's just which ones do you fall? Yeah. Which one works in any given situation? situation, But I think, yeah. So if family members can learn about the eight great smarts and then, you know, talk to each other and say, okay, these are the smarts. These are the definitions. Well, that was my next question is how, how is that? You know, because would you say it's great to sit down and, and, you know, explain this to the kids, the brothers, the sisters, and to yep. say, it would kind of be fun. Absolutely. In a sense, right. Yeah, how absolutely. Could you, how I, could you do that? Um, incorporate that? Absolutely. I mean, I remember doing this with my girls when they were like eight or nine. I knew the theory ahead of time, but you know, they can't really, and I would use the terminology when they were little. Okay. Yeah. You know, I can see that you're, you know, using your music smart today or whatever. So it was kind of in their vocabulary. But then when they got a little older, we did sit down and we kind of mm-hmm. talked through, okay, so what do you think dad's top strengths are? Yeah. What are mom's and, okay. and all these different things? And then you just kind of incorporate it as part of your family culture. Then everybody can respect and honor the strengths that other people have and, and help facilitate that too. You know, maybe one of my, both my kids are music smart. Okay. Yeah. But if we use that one, maybe one of them comes up with a little ditty to help them memorize mm-hmm. something and then they share it with her sister, right? Even if they share it with a sibling who's not music smart, it still might help. Right. Yeah. And, and so I think anytime you can increase communication within a family that they know more about each other, that's only going to increase your family unity more than anything. And then support everybody's learning too. I can see not, not necessarily just even, I mean, obviously we know homeschooling is all learning mm-hmm. everything we do. It's life. It's, right. it's not separate, but even in just, you know, living out family life, yes. arguments and, yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, just siblings getting along. I mean, I'm not talking schooling. I'm, I'm thinking more teenagerish, right? And just <laughs> We keep coming back to that. Jane. We really do. <laughs> and just to say, hey, listen, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is, let's not forget that let's respect yes. our mm-hmm. sibling. Let's, mm-hmm. let's respect dad. He doesn't, he's not wired in the same way that you're wired. You're taking it to be, don't be offended about it or whatever that might right. be, mm-hmm. right? We have to understand that this is the right. way he's seeing things. It's his right. perspective. It's, and we'll use the self-smart again, right? A self-smart, pers- self-smart <laughs> person, usually if they're having an argument with somebody, they will need time to go away and process. Yeah, that. I can say that Madeline is very self-smart mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, and I think Joel is too. And I will mm-hmm. not to interrupt you again, but this is so intriguing to me because I really think sometimes, especially when I first met my husband, 
he could almost seem arrogant in mm-hmm. a sense mm-hmm. to somebody else. Now we were kind of flirting back and forth. So I knew he wasn't arrogant to me, but you know, we was it worked. kind of like a self-assurance that seemed just like, like, yeah. I'm sure he, I know him. He wasn't yeah. acting no, not arrogant. Because he's so not arrogant, if right. you know him. But I think mm-hmm. just very much, you know, I mean, we worked together. So that was mm-hmm. the environment, right? So mm-hmm. I knew because we were kind of flirting back and forth. And so I knew, you know, and I just got to know him. But mm-hmm. two other workers that we worked with, yeah. I could see that they thought maybe he thought he was above himself. But I right. think he was just very much more not needing to always be social. In a Absolutely. Sense. Right. Would that, would that yes, fall and that's it? a self-smart okay. thing. And so let's yeah. say you have, you know, two family members have an argument, even a, a kid and a parent, and one of them is very self-smart. Maybe the other one's people smart. They want to process through it right at that moment because that's, they need to talk to that person to process it. Yes. The self-smart person seriously needs to have alone time to process it and then come back, you know, and talk about it. Yeah. So, I mean, a strategy there in a family, because I don't think it's gossip if you go to another family member, right? Mm-hmm. So the self-smart person can go off and process. Maybe the people-smart person needs to talk to, in a respectful way, talk to another family member yes. to kind of work through their feelings and get that out because people-smart people do think better yeah. with other people, but that will drive the self-smart person nuts mm-hmm. if they are forced to do it right on the spot. So, yeah. and respecting I- that and honoring that. Yeah. And so a person could be people smart and self smart. Yeah. Right. Right. In just different scenarios. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. But they feel often very confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, I yeah. can totally see that. Yeah. And you talked about that. Yeah, for sure. You, this made homeschooling Abby and Rachel mm-hmm. so much better because you, right, right out, right from the get go, mm-hmm. could identify that. How could you then bring in, would that affect even different curriculums that you would use? Obviously, that. You know, you would say, no, this is not going to work for yeah. Rachel because, right. you know. Right. Absolutely. So. It, it totally does. Well, even uh, I chose to use, for example, teaching textbooks for math for a number of years for both the girls. And I chose it for both of them for different reasons. We were coming off a bad experience with a different math curriculum. And I just thought, OK, we need to do this. It'll kind of help us decompress. They liked it for different reasons because of their smart strengths being different. Rachel is very picture smart. And so the fact that teaching textbooks is video based, she really resonated with that. And she moved forward, even though she is not a fan of math. She liked the video aspect. Abby is not as picture smart, but she has more logic smart. So there became a time when she said that, could she just not do the videos at all and just do the workbook? And I thought, well, how weird is that? Wouldn't you want to look at the videos? And I (laughs) had to think about, you know, her kind of wiring in terms of the order of her smarts and all of that. And I thought, well, that's okay. Sure. Does it make my life a little bit more inconvenient because the automatic grading isn't there? Sure. But I mean, hello, it's my kid and this exactly. is how she learns. And yep. so why would I force her to sit and watch videos when that isn't necessarily how she processes? Yep. And even just the kind of literature they chose. It, Rachel's very word smart. And so she went to the hard classics. She yeah. was just drawn to them. And Abby, and she's a writer too, right? Yes. And Abby is very good with all of that. But again, it's the logic smart. She's more smart. And so the books that she was drawn to were more of the ones that kind of were relational based. Yeah. I would say if I think about it and kind of summarize, right. she was yeah. much more into that. Even when she was a little littler girl, eight or nine or something, there was a series called Elizabeth Gale. She found it in the church library and Elizabeth Gale was a foster kid. And kind of the things that she went through and then she ended up um, coming to Christ somewhere in her foster family kind of situation. But that really resonated with Abby. 
because she was really thinking about, she was, she has a heart for people and, and that was the people smartness kind of coming out in her as well. So yeah, even the different choices they made when it came to that. You know what I think is good about that too, is you talked about the label thing and we know that labels of course can be bad when mm-hmm. they're put upon children. Right. For instance, you know, somebody who might not easily digest a harder book, if you will. Right. And then they're comparing themselves to either their classmates, if they're in school or their siblings or yeah. whoever, their friends and thinking, oh my gosh, I'm dumb and putting that label upon themselves. Right. Yeah. Or if in public school, somebody will put it on it for them. But right. how cool that these smarts, these when when you teach a child this, that eliminates that mm-hmm. because they're always thinking, no, mm-hmm. it's not that. It's just that I I can um, my strength is this. Yeah. This is my strength. It's not that that's not my strength. Right. Right. Or it's not that I can't do this because we all have all eight mm-hmm. like Nature smart is like probably my lowest. Okay. I don't like being outside. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Patterning and whatever. Okay, fine. But I mean, if I had to rank them, probably that would be my lowest, but I can utilize it. Yeah. Right. So to teach a child, yeah, that it's not that they only have three. They all have all eight. And if you're in a situation, you can call up any one of them. And the other thing, I don't even know how I worded this in the book, so I hope I'm not contradicting my own self here. (laughs) But one of the things, speaking of labels, that always drives me crazy when somebody says, I'm autistic. I I am ADHD. Yes. No. Right. You have autism. Yes. You have attention issues. Okay. So the smarts. I have a high degree of logic smart. Instead of saying I am logic smart. I mean, we are, but there's a difference between making your identity and just acknowledging it as a characteristic that you have. You know, saying terminology is, that's kind of getting on a different topic, but that's important too. <laughs> yeah. Just so intriguing. So writing a book obviously is no easy feat, Tina. <laughs> I'm dying to know. Tell us all about your journey to writing the A Great Smarts for homeschoolers. Gosh, it's hilarious. <laughs> Tell us, like, what was the process of writing like? And and had this idea been in your mind for some time? How, how did this come about? It, it's, it's such a funny God story. Probably about March 2020, right? As everybody's getting locked down, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Kathy mentioned it to me, this idea of, hey, would you consider writing a treatment of this concept for homeschoolers? Because she speaks at a lot of homeschool conventions and, and people, I guess, had asked her about that. And like her book is practical but it, it is a theoretical framework. You know, I mean, you sure. can read my book without having read hers, but it probably would help yeah. to have read hers. And then you kind of then apply that to my book. Sure. So, so I was writing the applications just for homeschooling. So she asked me in March 2020, my girls were set to graduate from their homeschool program in early June of 2020. And so I said to her, well, that's, that's really intriguing, but you know, I can't do it now because I need to finish well with the yeah. girls. And she's very respectful of that. So she said, okay, fine. So we, it was on the back burner. And every once in a while through the summer, last summer, I would just say, I would kind of think about it. And like, well, if this comes up and it's really going to happen, I have no idea how I'm going to start. And, and I would just think about it every once in a while because I do blogging for her. So the topic was kind of there sometimes. Yeah. I didn't think anything of it. I went on with my summer, went on with my fall and all the different things that were happening in my life at that time. And early October, Kathy and I are talking on the phone and she says, by the way, would you write that book? Maybe, yeah, let's talk about it, you know? She said, no, 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 Moody's interested in it. If I write the proposal, will you write two chapters? Yeah. Early October. Wow. 
And I mean, I, I it was like probably let's say October 1st because it was very early October, but it was this quick. And she said, so it's due October 15th. Can you do it? The two chapters. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> I mean, I have always had a dream to be a published author since I was 10 years old and I wrote some little dorky children's book about a family of dogs. It's just yeah. always been in my head. Oh, right. And and I thought, you know, wouldn't that be cool if that came out? But again, I wasn't angling for it. I wasn't trying for it. And then two weeks. And I'm like, how am oh, I going to get the organization? Because I, I had been thinking of it here and there through the summer. It just nothing was clicking. And then ah. she said, I want you to have this for two weeks. So I talked to my husband and he said, you absolutely need to do this. Yeah. You, you close yourself in your office. We'll take care of ourselves. You're fine. Yes. Scared to death. (laughs) So I sit there in front of the computer and I start drafting and I didn't know what chapter it was going to be. What I have done in the book is there's a chapter for each major subject area that we teach as homeschoolers. And then I address each of the eight smarts. Like, Mm -hmm. so here's math and here's kind of ideas for each smart for math. And then there's language arts and that's how it came to be. But I didn't know I was going to do that at first. And I'm sitting there thinking, praying, pondering. And that idea comes to my mind and I drafted the math chapter. Maybe I drafted the language arts first. I, I handed in the math and the language arts at the same time. God is a just-in-time God, isn't he? Yes. I didn't yes. know those how that was going to fall together, but I had two weeks or less than two weeks, and everything was there. Wow. It, it was God. It wasn't me. I mean, I can type the words, but yeah. he put them in my brain. He gave me the framework and turned it into Moody on October 15th, which happened to be my birthday. Wow. I know. And... um. October 22nd, Kathy called me and said they want it. Oh. Uh, so then she said, your deadline for the whole book is December 7th. Yeah. And I thought, what? I mean, I thought this was like a process. Yep. And it was a rush job. Um, there's For a number of reasons, they were hoping and planning and wanting to get the book released on August 3rd or early August as it's going to be. Usually a book is released about a year after it's submitted. And uh, there's a number of reasons, some of which I'm not privy to that Moody wanted to really push. And maybe some of it had to do with the pandemic, knowing that, you know, August people are coming into, maybe they homeschooled last year and they're thinking, are they going to keep doing it? Now they want some more tools kind of thing. Right. So Moody rushed it. Therefore, my deadline was December 7th. And so I said to Jeff, okay, we'll keep the crock pot out because (laughs) now I have, you know, six weeks to write a whole book. Wow. And the book is nine chapters. So I had seven chapters and all the appendix stuff and all that to do in six weeks. God is so good that he gave me everything by Thanksgiving. I had it done by Thanksgiving. Wow. So then I had some people read it and turned it in uh, on December. Actually, it ended up being turned in on December 9th. I was ready, but there were some reasons that it, we waited for a couple of days. And then it was the editing process. And so it was out of my hands. It was into the hands of the movie editor that they assigned to me. Her name's Annette. She is wonderful. I love her. She's a homeschooling mom. So she totally gets the life. Yeah. And we just had great conversations. And um, and then it was kind of out of my hands after we worked through all the edits. And here I sit to wait. I haven't got a copy myself yet. <laughs> so oh, I'm kind of anxious. Wow. And then kind of seeing the book design, you know, as they those yeah. people do their thing. And then yeah. they send you a proof and say, do you like this? And all of that. So oh, It's so exciting. I cannot wait to read it. <laughs> You can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> well, I mean, I've read it, but um, not. I don't have the print copy in to my To turn hands. the pages and yes. see your name. Oh, how exciting. Well, if readers could take only one thing away from your book, what would you hope that is? Okay, knowledge of the smarts is important. That's the basis of the book. However, that's not possible without relationship with your kids. That's really one of my main things that I've learned as a homeschooling parent. 
all the skills, all the knowledge, all the organization, that all comes with time. But if you don't have relationship with your kids, none of it matters. None of the the rest of the stuff will come and it won't be important if you don't focus on relationships with kids. So I focus on that throughout the book a lot too, because the beauty of the smarts is that it helps, knowing your kids smarts helps you to build those relationships. So instead of saying my kid's too squirrely, I need to put her on Ritalin because she is bouncing around and literally sitting upside down on the top of the couch as I do story time. No, she's body smart. So I don't have to have anger toward her. I can respect how she's wired and work with it. Now, not that she can be distracting to everybody else. You know, when I, one of the things that Kathy says is a person can use their strengths for ill or for good, right? So they need to be trained, right? So a kid can make an excuse and say, I'm body smart. Therefore, you need to let me run around all the time and make it or I'm music smart. So you need to let me make noise because I'm I'm coming up with rhythms. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right? No. So you have to train your child to use her her smarts for good, right? But if you're aware of those smarts, that's relational building, that's relationship building. And then it all just works together beautifully. But you have to have a heart to grow a relationship with your kids instead of just smacking them down when they're not doing what you want. Yeah, it's really good. Aside from the link in the description of this episode, (laughs) where can people purchase your book? Well, I know it's on Amazon. I'm pretty sure it's on Christian Book Distributors and Barnes and Noble. I don't know where else a person can buy books. I mean, I'm guessing physical bookstores, if they if yeah. any still exist. Do any still exist? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, and they can go to the Celebrate Kids website because it is on their website as well because it's based off of Kathy's book. So so exciting. Yeah. Well, for those in and near, in or near, I should say, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. tell us about your book launch event at the Homeschool Loft. Good segue there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Jenny has been so gracious to say from the beginning that she wanted to do a book launch for us. And so on Monday, August 24th at the loft, 630 to 830, we are having a book signing party, yeah. I guess. We're going to uh, blow the top off the champagne. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know about that. Cool. Um, and so we're going to be there. And I, I'm hoping that we will have some books that you can purchase then. Otherwise, we waited a few weeks from the launch date so that if you've ordered a book um, or want to order a book, you can bring it with you and I will autograph it and we can hang out and talk and whatever you want to do that night. Kind of like an open house. So come and go as you can. Come one, come all. It's going to be a great (laughs) night. Should I sit out in the hallway that night instead of in the... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Just sit out right by the front door (laughs) downstairs. Well, Tina, thank you so much for sharing about your new book, but thank you for being risky about it and following God's lead because I'm trying to put myself in that position and thinking, and I know you, so I know that you're a person who likes to have things in order yeah, and a rhyme and, you know, a rhythm mm-hmm. that kind of mm-hmm. you set. Routina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A routina. <laughs> and so, but thank you so much for following God's lead. Think about how this will just bless the homeschool community. And I, I'm looking to you families out there who are just beginning, you have little ones. And just to have that knowledge, if I would have had that right, right from the start with my kids, you know, yeah. because it really is, is once you have that, that's the foundation, then you can understand, then you can build from there and you right. can say, okay, now I get it. So we're going to create this whole beautiful atmosphere mm-hmm. with this knowledge that we have about our children. Absolutely. I love that. 
Do you have any final words of encouragement for homeschooling families listening to our <laughs> podcast? I guess just what you said, you know, if you have the tools from the beginning of your kids' lives, you can use them and you can build on them. And so, um, again, don't think of it as labels. Just think of it as information for you as the parent and then eventually to empower your kids with that same information. So they they value and appreciate how they're wired. Good. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope that you know that you are the best teacher for your children. You're the best (laughs) teacher because you're the parent. Go out there and get Tina's book. I think it's going to bless your socks off. I think that it's going to just give you more courage to do what you already know you're capable of doing. 